0: All right, welcome back to another episode of... The podcast
1: Heard Around the World. In our community. World, 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 world. world, world. Beyond the Bulletin. (laughs) This is a special promotional piece of Beyond the Bulletin. We want to talk about... Our good old friend Jose Lito. Yeah, Jose Lito San
0: Jose Sanchez Del Rio. Jose Sanchez Do you like how Del Rio. I sort of rolled that R. I don't yeah. even know if I'm supposed to I on don't that. Think you are oh, all right. Well, whatever. Saint Jose Sanchez Del Rio. Um, yeah, he. So this is. It's kind of promotional, but really, I think that this is more. Uh, we're just going to talk about this saint and and why he is coming to our our parish. So, um, yeah. So Saint Jose Sanchez Del Rio. I
1: love this saint. Right. I love him. You know more about him than I did, because you used to do life nights on him and stuff yeah. like that when you were a youth minister.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, I just, his story kind of, uh, I don't know, it just spoke to me a few years ago. He's a modern saint. So St. Jose was born in the early 20th century in Mexico, um, and he, uh, he died in the 1920s. He was a martyr, um, and he died at the age of 14, which is kind of uh, crazy. So... Um, I think one of
1: the big things that you need to start off with is understanding the um, the Cristero war that broke out so in in the nineteen teens the president of mexico Enacted, I think his name was Calles. He enacted some anti Catholic and anti clerical laws. Yeah. And then by the 1920s, with the new president being elected, it was extraordinarily anti Catholic.
0: Yeah. And they were rewriting their constitution to Mexico.
1: Yeah. And so they were, it was a secularist, anti clerical movement that swept through more of the urban centers of Mexico. And what they began doing is the political elite. Yeah. Began to stamp out. Catholicism. Now, first it starts with the acquisition of Catholic lands. It always starts that way. In Europe, whatever, it always starts with, we want that nice land. And then it ends up being opposed to the priesthood and all this stuff. And then it goes one step further and it begins attacking even the devotional life of the average Mexican Catholic. And right. so the, the Cristero War... For, it broke out originally in 1926, and it was largely a peasant uprising. It was rural Mexicans who were actually funded by urban Mexicans. Um, urban Catholics were sending their money to them. Um, and it was the the last of the huge peasant uprisings kind of in world history. So. Yeah, so you,
0: you could kind of think of them, they were like a Catholic militia. Yeah. Um, and they were quite literally fighting for the freedom of religion for the freedom of their faith and to protect yep. their Catholic um, values and their their Catholic livelihood, really. Yeah, and how it
1: re- uh, reverberates down to today was um, so on, when I run adult confirmation, we have a lot of Hispanics who uh, are coming up, um, a lot of Mexicans in particular who come to our church and they migrated here. In their teenage years, with their parents, so they never got confirmed. And when they're going through their confirmation, they also have to go through marriage uh, convalidation because so many of them were married in, by the Mexican government, but not in the Catholic Church. Right? Because the Mexican government does not view the Catholic Church as an agent of marriage. Whereas here in Texas, you know, by the authority of the state of Texas and the Catholic Church, I now pronounce you man and wife. They're not allowed to do that.
0: Yeah, and that, that's usually the, that's the case in a lot of countries. Really, yeah. like it's actually it's a very American thing in the sense that when you get married. At, the, at your local church, no matter what Christian denomination, that the ordained minister can sign, sign your legal uh, marriage license as well. That's right. not really a common thing in a lot of other countries.
1: Yeah. So it's really interesting that, you know, when people think of Mexico, I mean, it's Brazil, Mexico, and the United States. When people think of the United States, it's like a Protestant country. When people think of Mexico, it's a Catholic country. Yet so many people don't realize that there was a violent and systemic War against the Catholic Church in Mexico right. in the nineteen teens and twenties, and even even carried on to this day. But um, so the the um, the response to it was la, um, and we don't speak Spanish, but la Cristidada. We're Anglo's. We're Anglo's. Uh, la Cristidada was the response of these peasants to form essentially an armed militia to protect the rights of the church and their own freedom of religion. Yeah. So um, so saint jose, um,
0: or as we 'll call him we 'll call him Joselito I love Joseito Joselito jose is what uh, it 's more of his affectionate name that the Catholics in Mexico have given him um, joselito he was he was a teenager he had older brothers who joined the this militia and and were fighting this war against the Mexican government, um, but he was younger, and so his his mother for, forbid him to join. He even went so far as to go to the general who was leading this militia and asked to join, and he refused at first. Um, and then finally, Jose you know, made this case that he really um, he wanted to fight for Jesus Christ. He he went so far to even say, "I will die for Jesus Christ." Um, and so the general eventually let him join in this effort at such a young age, at fourteen. Um, so a part of, what... but he
1: was he was a flag bearer. That was like a concession. To yeah, 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 yeah. He was a flag bearer, but he ended up uh, actually fighting in the the day he was arrested, January twenty fifth, nineteen twenty eight. There's this huge battle between government troops and uh, La Cristiada, and they're fighting. And the general gets his horse shot out from under him. So Jose Lito gives him his own horse. And then he just pulls out his gun and fires and fires and fires on the government troops until he runs out of ammo. He gets captured. He gets thrown in jail in the sacristy yeah, they turn of the local church. Yeah, they
0: turn the local church. Oh, insult
1: to injury. Yeah, the
0: Antichrist they, is alive and well. Yeah, he was wow. imprisoned in the sacristy at the local church. And, you know what that
1: reminds me of? What? When me and you went to Austria uh-huh. with Franciscan, uh-huh. uh, we stayed at this renovated Carthusian monastery, yeah. right? Uh, what was it called? Uh, the Cartelza. The Cartelza. Yeah. And... The when the Enlightenment swept through Austria, the guy, uh, the Archduke or whatever, shut down all non-teaching order things, so contemplative orders, and so that Carthusian monastery was shut up. Napoleon put his yeah. his horses in the chapel, which is this resplendently glorious chapel, but he stable he turned it into a horse stable. Yeah, and so this reminds they turned a sacristy into a prison. Yeah, so wow. his,
0: history repeats itself in different yeah. parts of the world. But
1: yeah. so they imprisoned
0: him there, um, and while he's imprisoned, uh, his family. His father was trying to raise funds um, to get him out of prison didn't wasn 't able to do it and so uh, essentially, the story goes that joselito they, um, they tortured him and they said basically we 'll give you your freedom. all you have to do is say death to Christ the king and he refused to do it and so it came to a point where the way that they decided to torture him was they literally, and this is a little graphic, so if you have kids listening in on this um, and they're younger, you might want to dial it down uh, right now. But they they basically took a a machete and they skinned the bottom of his feet. So they took off the skin off the bottom of his feet and made him walk around the town and around the village as a form of torture while they kind of beat him or whipped him, did different things. So you can imagine in kind of a dusty, rocky climate where there's not really like a paved road, even if it was a paved road, how painful that would be. And they marched him to the cemetery in this kind of condition, and they gave him one more opportunity. All he had to do was say death to Christ the King, and they would stop the torture, and his life would be saved, and he could recover. Um, and he not only did he refuse, but he yelled out, Viva Cristo Re, long live Christ the King. Um, and so at that point, he was, uh, he was executed, and his body fell right into the grave where he was executed. So truly a brave 14-year-old, um, and I just think, I don't know, I think his story resonates with me, one, because it's such a witness uh, to the youth. Uh, he's, he was a lay saint. Um, his story can resonate in a time, even today, 100 years later almost now, where, uh, you know, the church is so persecuted in so many parts of the world. I think it's just such a relevant story um, to our times. And so one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about him today is so uh, he's coming to our church. The relics of this saint yes. are coming to our church. He was, uh, he was declared venerable by John Paul II. He was beatified by Pope Benedict. And then he was canonized by uh, Pope, Pope Francis in 2016, I believe. And um, so he's a relatively new canonized saint. Yeah. Um, but his relics are traveling here thanks to our El Camino group here at the parish. And I want to put it out there that when he's here on October 14th, uh, October 16th, October 17th, and October 21st, um, this is not just a celebration for um, the Latino community at our parish. It is right. a celebration for the entire Uh, Catholic church. He is a saint that we should all be um, venerating and asking
1: for his intercession. Especially at the time when the idea of religious freedom is under attack like it is. Uh, And it's under attack in the name of uh, stamping out uh, intolerance and all this stuff because of certain teachings of of the churches, right? So When you have uh, a saint like this, here's one of my favorite things. So a lot of people don't realize, in order to go for, venerable means like, yeah, this guy lived a life worthy of imitation, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go to the next step of beatified, and that means they have begun to rigorously examine this person's life uh, to Mm -hmm. an even higher degree. But then, when you go to canonize, the thing is, when a declaration of canonization occurs, it means that a miracle attributed to the intercession of that saint has uh, has occurred, so that you know that saint's in heaven, right? No purgatorial saint or person can 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 cause this miracle. So the idea is, like, they still have to work after they're dead, um, and so uh, <laughs>
0: because they're not actually dead. Exactly they're right. That's the Christ idea Jesus. of sainthood: yeah. is that someone who has achieved such a virtuous life that the church declares, you know, um, you know that we know that they're in heaven. Well, if you're in heaven, you're not dead. You are fully. You're more fully alive than you are on earth because you're sitting before um, our Lord glorified, and so you're able to participate in
1: uh, in the church triumphant, if you will. And I think that you will. Uh, <laughs> oh, I will. Oh, you will. Well, it's uh, like the Sadducees. <laughs> the Sadducees who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead came up to Jesus. And questioned him on it and said, what does the scripture say? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, so God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And this understanding deep in our Catholic faith that those who are dead in Christ are still united to us, not because of their amazingness, but because of the amazingness of Jesus Christ. I I got into a Twitter argument with a woman who went up on uh, Twitter and she said... (laughs) said, (laughs) It was the best argument ever. (laughs) I lost my mind. Uh, But she said... uh, This is out of love. Nowhere in the Bible does it command us to pray to dead saints or Mary. Uh, We're only to pray to the Father in Jesus Christ. So I retweeted her tweet and then wrote about 27 following tweets where I combed through every inch of the Bible just showing, like, just because we venerate a saint doesn't mean we denigrate Jesus Christ. Just because we pray to a saint, we're actually asking that saint's intercession, just like we do people here on earth. Why? Because God is not the God of the dead. But of the living. And so the beautiful way that that manifests for us, and I think this is incredible, and this is all due to people like Martha, who helps run our El Camino group. Uh, the, the young girl who had Jose Lito's miracle worked on her, uh, and, and I'm going to invite Stephen to share that story. Yeah. Her and her mom are flying here from Mexico to, deli- to stay with us for a week, and uh, multiple times they're going to deliver their testimony.
0: With, with a group of, uh, of Mexican teenagers as well. That, that Yeah, the they... teenagers, I'm super excited about them because yeah.
1: they don't speak English, yeah. but they have memorized every word in English, and they're just working on the pronunciation. Yeah. They were personal childhood friends of Martha's um, kids when she lived in Mexico, and now they're all like freshmen in college, yeah. <laughs> and so they, they go around and they do this presentation on Jose Lito, and so now they're coming and they've memorized their practice Sing so hard, so hard. So um, we have, yeah. and we have. So we have the relics coming. We have the the little girl who was miraculously healed through the intercession of Jose Lito, and this teen group who's going to put on kind of the the story of um, La Crucita. And we have the movie. And we have the movie. There's
0: going to be so much with this. So I'm, I'm really excited. And it's not only that the relics are going to be here at St. Anthony's. That's why there's kind of a gap in the time frame. They're also going to take it to some of the other parishes right, right. Um, in other parts of the diocese. But for, for the northern part of the diocese, this is kind of the mainstay for the relics. Um, so they're going to be presenting to Uh, Our teens at Life Teen on uh, Sunday, October 14th, 2018. I'm actually giving the talk for that to kind of help set it up. Which is going to be awesome. Um, Probably. And and I think that that's going to be kind of open, though, still to anyone that wants to drop into that uh, because it'll be in the church. Oh, yeah. It'll be wide open. Yeah. And then Tuesday, October 16th, um, they'll show the movie, which the movie, uh, maybe some of you have seen it. It's called For Greater Glory in English. In uh, Spanish, it's known as La Cristiada. And then that will be out at the St. Teresa Center at 4 p.m. And then it will be followed by uh, daily mass in the church. And then the teens from Mexico are going to present at 7.30. Uh, We'll have a live testimony after that from the little girl um, who received the miracle from Joselito and God, of course. And then there will be veneration of the relics. And then same kind of format will follow on Wednesday morning. Um, October 17th, but it will start with our all-school masses that take place on Wednesdays, and then it will end with the movie after Veneration of the Relics. Um, And then, again, we're going to do uh, a similar thing on Sunday, October 21st, but it'll be in the afternoon. Yeah, and the Sunday one will be
1: in Spanish. It was so funny. After going through all this, Martha came to me and she goes, you know what I just realized? We're doing all this. I don't even have a single presentation in Spanish. It's all yeah. going to be in English. <laughs> so we're like, whoopsies. So we're redoing it. So on Sunday. So we added the 21st. Yeah. That will follow the 1 p.m. Spanish mass. Yes, yeah. So it's going to be awesome. So tell us a little bit about the girl. Yeah, and
0: yeah. So, okay, I cannot pronounce her name, and I wish Martha was here with us so that she could Janina, tell
1: me. Z? No, 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 X-I. It starts with an X. X-I-M-E-N-A. But then I also
0: see, I think that her nickname is Lupice. Okay. Maybe. I hope that's... Uh, I hope I said that right. That wasn't like a bad word in Spanish or something. I don't think it is. I think that's her name. We are ignorant. We are ignorant Anglos. <laughs> so, no, she is uh, she was born with uh, a lot of complications. She's actually her family is from the home, same hometown as Joselito, and her mother had a very complicated pregnancy, and so during that pregnancy, she moved actually to Los Angeles. Um, the little girl was born in the United States, um, and they, they did that on purpose uh, for medical reasons, and then um, and then they moved back to uh, where, where they're from in Mexico. But this little girl, basically, um, she was born with, I mean, it was just a variety of complications. And it got to the point where they, the doctors put her in a coma and they did a brain scan and basically told her mother that her daughter was uh, 90% brain dead, um, that there was oh going to be gosh. nothing that they could do. And so they basically put the little girl in her mother's arms and said, do you want to say goodbye before we pull her um, off life support? As a baby, um, and the mother, who had kind of fallen in love with the story of Joselito and had begun asking for intercession during the pregnancy, uh, made one final plea to God and to the intercession of of Saint jose and then, as she made that plea. Um, the, it, from what I understand, and we'll get to hear more about the actual story from them when they're here, uh, the little girl opened her eyes and started laughing and smiling at the doctors. Um, and so this is kind of the miracle that was investigated. They couldn't explain it. Um, she went from being what they thought, brain dead with all these other complications, to now she's a 10-year-old little girl, happy, healthy. Um, and she's now spreading this this story of St. Saint, uh, Saint Jose and and obviously being witness to, to the gospel message through him. So. Take that,
1: President Callez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> (laughs) Yeah,
0: all that from, uh, but but you know what, there's something in that, right? Like through great persecution comes incredible stories and incredible miracles, um, and that's definitely what happened here. So I am really pumped to have all of these people coming here. Uh, Jose Lito, he is a saint of the entire church, not just for the Mexican people, and so it's exciting that we're going to have him here at St. Anthony's.
1: Yeah, and I'm super excited because I like Anthony Garcia, except in Godfather 3, but I like Anthony (laughs) Garcia, and he stars, so the movie For Greater Glory, it's not like a low-budget movie, it was a real honest-to-goodness Hollywood movie, just watch the trailer, it's very inspiring, Yeah, Um, and so it's going to be in English and in Spanish, and uh, I'm excited that, you know, we're limited as to what we can show, it's not like we have a theater here, so uh, it's going to be in the St. Teresa Center, occupies about 100 seats. Um, If you can't make it to the movie, though, I'm pretty sure you can purchase the movie on Amazon.
0: It's probably not too expensive. Right. No, it's not at all.
1: And actually, Martha gave me her copy, and I lost it. So I have to purchase it on Amazon today.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's really good. So if anyone finds Gomer's copy,
1: (laughs) hope for greater glory. There it is. There it is. So this is going to be a wonderful event. Hope you all can make it um, Sunday, October 14th. Tuesday, October 16th, Wednesday, October 17th. These are different opportunities. Tuesdays in the evening, Wednesdays in the morning after the school mass, and then in Spanish, Sunday, October 21st. This is a a goal. uh, One of the reasons why we're doing this stuff is so many intersecting lines just came together for this. The fact that the little girl could come and give her testimony, the fact that the teens could come uh, and do this week-long presentation, that um, uh, Jose Lito, who is so focused on religious freedom and a holy boldness in the face of persecution, um, an Acts 4 model of the church. In Acts chapter 4, they're being beaten and persecuted and imprisoned, and what do they do? They pray for more boldness. And so hopefully we can all be like Jose Lito and cry out, Viva Cristo Rey. And special shout-out to
0: Cardinal Donardo and Bishop Schultz for sending the letter, making the invitation for the relics to come to our diocese. Yes, yeah. that has to be an official invitation, and they did it like really fast yeah,
1: pretty much overnight yeah <laughs> it was pretty awesome of them to do that for yeah, us so it was beautiful so uh, y'all are welcome to come on out it's gonna be amazing god bless viva cristo rey